Hey, Queeros, just a reminder, I will be in London on September 13th for the London Podcast Festival doing a live episode of Query What? Then I will also be in Chicago, Ann Arbor, Louisville, Kentucky, Bloomington, Illinois, Cleveland, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, New Cumberland, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, Boston, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Washington, D.C., and Denver. Tickets to all those at CameronEsposito.com slash tour. See you there. This episode of Query is sponsored by my faves at Tomboy X. Tomboy X has underwear that is functional, fits, and is super comfy. They got everything from bikinis, briefs, boxer briefs, trunks, and boy shorts to soft bras and racerback bras in everyday basic colors and fun seasonal prints. From sizes extra small to 4X, they fit a lot of different types of bods. Whatever you fall on the size or gender spectrum, Tomboy X offers amazing underwear that anybody can feel comfortable in. Go to tomboyx.com slash query to check out their special bundles and their pack pricing. Query listeners get an extra 15% off when they use the code query. Again, just use the code query, you get 15% off. So head over to tomboyx.com slash query and get some underwear that you can feel good in. Ditch whatever you're wearing for a pair of Tomboy X underwear. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, my guest for this week's episode is Tig Nataro. You know Tig uh, from One Mississippi on Amazon, from being an amazing stand-up comic with multiple Netflix specials and HBO specials and all sorts of being everywhere. Tig is a big success in the stand-up world. Also somebody I've worked with for a little minute, and it was really nice to get a chance to get back um, connected with Tig. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Also, this week on Thursday... The 13th, I will be at the London Podcast Festival. Come see that. I'm doing a live episode of Query. My guest is Mae Martin, another hilarious stand-up comic. Jesus, come to that. Literally Jesus. If you can make it, come to that. Also, I'm going to be in Chicago, Ann Arbor, Louisville, Kentucky, Bloomington, Illinois, Cleveland, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, New Cumberland, Pennsylvania, Philly, Boston. I'm going to be in San Francisco, Portland, Seattle. I will also be in Denver and Washington, D.C., with more dates being added. So please come see me this fall on tour. You can get tickets at CameronEsposito.com slash tour. I hope to see you on the road. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on, darling. I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hey, hi. Hello. Yes, you know, um, I have people introduce themselves on the show. Would you introduce yourself? Absolutely. (laughs) In which voice of mine? Um, my name is Tig Notaro. I'm from Premium Blend. <laughs> Are you from Premium Blend? 18 years ago. I don't think I ever saw that, which is honestly such a shame for me. It's uh, it's some of the best comedy. Yep, yeah. still holds up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the best. Yeah, you're a an accomplished stand-up comic. Some think uh-huh. so. Uh huh. You're also um, my family in Mississippi <clears throat> started a. An, an email chain pretty recently with um, just utter excitement about how I have a Wikipedia page. That's how accomplished <laughs> I am. And I'm CC'd on the chain 
and listening or reading my family. And this isn't me making a statement about, oh, my crazy backwoods Mississippi relatives. It's just interesting what in their mind is like a big deal. Yeah. And and a Wikipedia page blew their minds. Can you think of other markers of success that they have been able to respond to? No. (laughs) That's it? I really, I feel like that was kind of the biggest thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I, it, it seems like that, they're proud of me and they think other things are cool, but for some reason having a Wikipedia page and and a lot of the the comments were like, don't forget the little people, don't forget where you came from, like teasing me. But they but they had a genuine um yeah, you know, weight behind Wikipedia. My my family gets really excited um, if I'm in the Chicago Tribune because, uh-huh. like, that's the paper that they've had delivered their whole lives. And uh-huh. and, uh, and my nana used to read it before she passed away, like, every single day. So, yeah, sometimes I am in the Chicago Tribune and well, nothing congrats, I do will ever Cameron. eclipse that. Thank you so much for seeing me. I wonder in, if I've ever been in the Chicago Tribune. I'm sure you have. Yeah. I'm sure you have, my friend. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, accomplished to some. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm an accomplished stand-up. I'm also you're also like an actor now, and writer. Mm-hmm. In I mean, quotes, how does that feel around actor? Uh, it feels um, like there's been a terrible mistake. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you set out to act or. Oh, do. certainly not. Nor okay. did I ever think anybody would be like that face. Mm-hmm. That's the face. We got to put that on a big. How big can we get the screen? On a big what? On a big screen. screen. Can we put it up there? Um, Yeah. I didn't think they would be like, that haircut. Uh Uh-huh. But you got a haircut pretty recently. Have you seen it? It's short. Mm -hmm. I have a ball cap on right now, but I'll take it off. I was going to ask you, but we got caught up in a different conversation. Yep. And, uh, but it seems to stop. Yeah. It's, I don't have a, I don't have a, here, you can see. What? Look, check it out. How long has it been since I've seen you? We have, a minute. I'm a whole new guy. Yeah. I, I have like this. This is. Well, yeah. Let's see. When did I get this cut? I don't know. A year ago? Mm. We haven't seen each other in a minute. Mm-mm. But you um, are fully acting in like impressive things. Yeah. You're making a movie right now? Or you just made a movie right now with I've Jennifer Aniston? No, no, no. That's no. not happening. No, it is. It but hasn't I, happened yet. I've made other movies. I yep. made a movie with... Uh, um, Octavia Spencer and Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne, who are legitimate actors. And I feel like I I've pop into scenes and I'm like, hey, I got hired to be in this too. <laughs> Mind if I hang out? Um, but that was fun. And I just did a movie with Natalie Portman and some other name droppy people. And it's it's fun. My wife makes fun of me because I show up to make friends. On uh, a production. I'm not there um, to really do anything else except have a good time. And uh, I always come home and I'm like, oh, <laughs> Octavia, man, you know, I got a million stories. But I feel like, doesn't that make everybody feel amazing? That's like the energy you actually want to bring to a set. Probably. If somebody could say, like, what would be the best thing that you, and also, like, let's say that they're 
accomplished actors who've worked with a lot of people, probably the best energy you want to bring in is just like, hey, I'm your bud. I don't know. Just don't worry about me. Focus. Like real actors are really focused and they're trying to really get into character. Yes. Whereas I don't have range. And so I'm just bringing myself on set. And um, and, uh, I mean, whatever. If people want this, then they're going to get it. And if they want anything else, there's going to be some trouble. And I've had directors come up to give me direction, and I'm like, oh, before you say anything, uh, let's remember I have no range. What were you going to say? <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's it's fun, but I – and I'm also on Star Trek, the new season of Star Trek. I'm in a space suit now. I saw, I saw Stephanie at something, your wife, and mm-hmm. she mentioned that you were in the new – Star Trek. Star Trek. You have a spacesuit. Yeah, I have a spacesuit, and um, it. Everybody's so nice and supportive, and um, and I really thought when my show was canceled that I was like, I think I'm not gonna act anymore because I don't think it's my thing. But then when there's cool offers that come in, it's like well, I'm gonna not work with Octavia Spencer. No, and then it's like oh, I'm not gonna. Be in a spacesuit? Like, no, you're going to do all that. Yeah. But I'm not actively, like, I want to act and, like, you know what I mean? But, again, I kind of feel like like what you're saying to me sounds like the energy that you put out into the universe and then people are like, we need to get that person. They are basically – they're not even – they're not even they, – they could – they're not pursuing this actively ideal. Like, that's – you know Sign what I mean? Here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I'm I'm – like I said, I'm enjoying it, but what I think I'm enjoying the most is um, is writing stuff with um, Stephanie. I'm glad you said that because that's what I was going to ask next. Next mm-hmm. is uh, yeah, like what does? Because like you you um, yeah, I think you're successful at you're successful enough as a stand up. You could kind of you could kind of do that forever if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I'm on year 21. Of stand up, I mean it's like you did. You did it. You're yep. you did it. Did You're it. at ta-da a level stand up. Did it can perform anywhere kind again, of again. Yeah. Some some might think I think that that's me. That's I'm nice. evaluating yeah. that. Uh, so now you can choose if you want to do that or. But then I did no. I started I started doing stand up. I thought stand up would be the end game. Mm-hmm. I didn't think there'd be other things around it. Yep. Um, Same. You, yeah. But you <clears throat> now have been through yeah having your own show on Amazon so then you want to write way to put it what do you, I went, you went, I've you've been, been through, through it that. you've been, been through, through it. it yeah you've been uh, through it uh what do you want to write what are you writing with Stephanie what stuff are you guys kind of well stuff we are writing? writing that Jennifer Aniston movie and um it's Jennifer's the first female president of the United States of America and I'm her wife I'm the first lady and so it's that's just really fun. I mean, it it was a joke between me and Stephanie years ago that she was the president and I was the first lady and just kind of a lot of bits around the house. And then it was like, I feel like this might be a movie. And, um, and then writing for Jennifer is fun. And, uh, but we're doing that. We're, we're working on a few other films things right now. And then we're also um, – we have a few television shows. But there are things that um, we're creating, writing, producing, but I'm not interested in 
and being on, you know. I think that makes sense. I mean, having having written and produced something that I was in, mm-hmm. that's like – it might be too many things for a regular yeah. schedule. I just mean like you should have, I guess, nice to have, pro- nice to have the chance to have projects like that, but also nice to just like be able to pick one or two things, not – all of the things all the time. It's a little, yeah. It's maybe a little too much. Yeah. And I think, you know, doing films is that's, I think, more manageable because there's the start and finish yeah. date. Um, I just, you know, maybe I'll change my mind, but when there's been any discussion about me doing another TV show, I just, I'm not interested. And I, I really want to. Listen to that. But writing with Stephanie, or yeah, with Stephanie, it's real. I was like, is that her name? Is it the name? It is. That is that is for sure her name. But writing with her is very uh, rewarding, and um, she's so talented. It's it's weird. And I always say she could do all of this without me, and I could not do this without her because I can't. I don't write scripts. I need somebody to partner with me so I can get my ideas and stuff out there and and um but anyway so that's what I'm mainly doing and I'm slowly but surely uh working on stand up always but I'm not I'm also trying to listen to myself with that too in that it's okay if I'm not on stage every night you know yeah. it doesn't take I think there's a lot of like I'm a comic and, you know, I'm in the clubs and every night and I'm sitting there and I'm having a drink with people or I'm, you know, I'm part of that world. And we're, you know, I've been in that world for a long time. And then it, um, I don't know, it's not really appealing to me to be in that every night. I mean, I I think that that expectation was set by – some some straight dudes who uh-huh. um, maybe didn't participate fully mm-hmm. in parenting children mm-hmm. or uh, weren't interested in that or maybe didn't have partners. Like I look at I look at where that came from, like that idea in stand up that you have to do like three to five sets every night. You have to be out. You have to be drinking. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of hate your body. Like all the things that you and I would know are like the archetype for like this is a comic who cares Mm -hmm. about this art Mm -hmm. and they all sort of to me I actually have I have looked at them from a little bit of a dist of distance based on the same thing you're talking about like I kind of wanted to be home sometimes Mm -hmm. wanted to be able to like have dinner with friends occasionally and I looked at like why I thought I had to be that and maybe who had set that bar and I think it was folks who like they really needed that in their life or that was the way they were setting up their life because somebody was at home Helping them, you know, like it is kind of passed down from a very specific type of person who Mm -hmm. can participate in comedy that way. And um, like that wasn't that wasn't me. Also, Mm -hmm. like I have I love comics and I'm friends with comics, but like I didn't get into it for the hangout. Mm -hmm. So it's not shocking to me that like a bunch of years in, I'm still not in it for the hangout. Mm -hmm. Like I love my peers, Mm -hmm. but I'm also cool having a life that isn't mm-hmm. my peers. So mm-hmm. I feel like. And what is your life that's not your peers? Like people who do other jobs. Mm-hmm. I have friends who are musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, my family that I like my family of origin. Mm-hmm. Um, relationships, like romantic relationships. The people that read the Tribune. The people that read the Chicago <laughs> Tribune. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And also just like um, cons- like consuming art, like uh-huh. being present for things that are not stand-up. Mm-hmm. Going to see movies. I love going to see movies. I just didn't want every single night of my life to look the same, especially yeah. since it's a seven-day-a-week job. Mm-hmm. Like I did that for a bunch of years where every night of my life looked How the same. How long have you done stand-up? Uh, 10 or 11, but then mm-hmm. I was doing, I was doing improv for like, mm. for like five or six before that. So like, you know, you've still got some, yeah. uh, some time on me, but I feel like I like first five years of, well, the time I was doing improv, that was a very full-time thing. And then when it first like five years of doing stand up, mm-hmm. that was all the time every night. Yeah. I yeah. And I'm trying to, uh, figure that out with, um, with uh, my own life and schedule as far as uh, interests and life and outside of stand-up. And, and, you know, it felt, like I said, it felt natural to not be in the clubs or touring every night. And I do have children. And um, I don't know if this is an unhealthy part of my brain or... I don't know if it's fear-based or if it's um, – I don't know. Maybe you can tell me. But I try to make sure that whatever I'm doing – and it's hard to stick to this. But I, if I were to get bad news, would I be kicking myself that I got that bad news while I was doing that? Of course, bad news is bad news at any time. But would I be like – sick to my stomach that I was spending my time with this person or at this event or um, catering to something that doesn't really speak to me. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. Um, And uh, I think about it a lot when I make decisions. I mean, that makes sense to me because also... (laughs) But also it's... No, I don't know. I mean, you very very publicly like had a bunch of stuff happen all at once in your life um, uh, from like illness to losing family members and going through a breakup and that happened in a real short period of time. I don't need to tell you this. This is something you lived. I did. Um, But I can imagine that having all those experiences would... I mean, for me, that would cause me to evaluate... um, yeah, how I spent my time. I mean, I, I certainly, I certainly do that. And I mean, I don't know what that's based in for me, but I think a lot, I'll think in terms of, am I being selfish? What I'm doing with my time, my life, my day, am I catering to somebody else doing something they want me to do? And, um, and if it is selfish, is it a healthy selfish that I'm – I was just going to ask, how do you figure out if something is selfish? <clears throat> to me, I think that's actually like a, a difficult thing to figure out, especially when you work for yourself or your own boss or – Well, you I'm know. struggling with it very specifically living in Los Angeles and having children. I kind of don't understand why I'm here anymore because – I what I want out of my career I could do from anywhere and so I once one night I was driving home from a show and there was somebody that was very clearly on drugs running around the street on Highland 
and everyone was like, oh, gosh, you know, like trying to swerve around this person. It's like running towards cars. And I was just, oh, gosh. And then uh, and then I turned to go to our house and and then there was this SUV that was overturned and, and firefighters and cops and ambulances. And and I was, oh, gosh, you know, just terrifying what how these their life just changed, it seems like. And then I got through this obstacle course to my wife and children. I was like, what am I, what is happening? Like, what, what are, why am I here? Where would you go? I've told Stephanie if she said, let's move to Iowa City. Let's move to, <laughs> I, I don't think there's a place I would say no to. I don't think there is. What and are you looking for that LA? Like, so I get what you're saying about the like. To me, it feels the, selfish. Yeah. However, the other complicating part is Stephanie hasn't been, you know, lodged into her career as long as I've been lodged into mine. We have a 15 year difference. So there's also part of me thinking, well, she still has things that she wants yeah. out of this. However, she's enjoying writing and uh, producing in the way that I am. And so it's nice that we've kind of come to that together, but it doesn't – it's not, it's not a, a, a problem where it's like I'm, I want to get out and she's like I want to stay. But it's a, it's a regular conversation of, you know, you can live in a nice house, a nice area – and think things are beautiful and nice and birds are tweeting and whatever is happening. And then you turn two corners and then somebody's like, ah, running down the street at you. And um, I just don't, I don't know if I want my babies strapped into car seats and in a car where we're swerving around somebody naked running towards our car. I just, I don't know that that is my interest for them. You know, and we jokingly, when we drive through Hollywood, I'll be like, look, boys, look at all the graffiti and look at this. And this is your hometown. And um, and it's not that I don't want them to know the different. You're feeling some protectiveness as a parent. I'm feeling protective. Yeah. I also would love for them to see beauty more regularly than they would see bars on windows. Wow. I mean, this is wild because I actually perceive, I perceive Elliot as being like pretty beautiful, which mm -hmm. is, I don't, I mean, well, I'm from Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, I know. I read yeah. the Tribune. You read the Tribune. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that city is a great city, mm -hmm. but there isn't a ton of like uh, natural beauty in terms of landscape. Like a mm -hmm. uh, really pretty city and the lake is nice, but it's mm -hmm. all sort of paved up to the lake and everything. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I know you have. I've that's traveled. Where, that's where we first met. Yeah. Um, but like when I moved here. Mm -hmm. And then I can uh, walk into Griffith Park from my house. Like yeah. that blows my mind every single day. Yeah. And that, when I think about LA, um, that's something that it's hard for me to imagine not being around. Yeah. Um, but I am a little tired of me. You. Yeah. Got to get away from you. Sure. No, I think I think I would like. Um, community mm -hmm. in a way that I find is a little more difficult here. And I, I also find that when I travel, 
um, like I, I wish that, like I, I actually have since the election, I go to um, gay bars mm-hmm. in cities that I'm in, which is something I used to just like go back to the hotel, mm-hmm. never talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. But uh, I try to go to gay bars because I just feel like I want to like, I just want to be around people mm-hmm. and um, not be the center of attention. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't because because that shows you're around people, but it's mm-hmm. like a fake type of interaction where mm-hmm. it's. So set up the hierarchy is so clear. Like mm-hmm. people are waiting in line to talk to you. You're not waiting in line to talk to them, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. So I want to like go somewhere where I feel like I can um, actually just mingle with the folks that are around there. And mm-hmm. then when I come back here, um, I don't know if it's like a lack of public transportation or bar culture that it's a little bit more difficult as a walking city mm-hmm. that it's so sprawling. And it's not like a smaller city. Iowa City is actually amazing. Iowa City is really beautiful. Oh, I love Iowa City. Yeah, yeah. And it's super walkable, and there's a lot of natural yeah. beauty. And I. Uh, yeah, where was I? Madison a couple weeks ago and mm-hmm. like feeling some envy for the mm-hmm. folks that live there. And Incredible town. Yeah. So I do. I Boise's do. cool. There's so many. There's so there's many. Nashville's great. I was in Nashville not too long ago. I went to a bar there, the the like lesbian bar there. And I was just like, oh, this could be my bar. You know, I could come mm-hmm. here. Um, I didn't know you were such a bar fly. I mean, I literally don't do even you drink? have a beer. No, like sometimes I'll have like one. One beer? One beer. Uh-huh. And then that's like. We can't believe she was so wild. Yeah. Yeah. I'm That's, not a big drinker. I just... Nor am I. It's really the community thing uh-huh. that I think because I grew up in the Midwest, bar culture equals community. Mm-hmm. Like that's... Cause, yeah. Like Chicago's a drinking town. I don't know what that would be no, if I, I know, grew I've up been. somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like what is that in Mississippi? Where's the Where's the community there? I mean... Like where did you find community growing up? Well, I lived in Mississippi and Texas, Mm -hmm. but um, I would say specifically the town of Mississippi where my family lives, the bar culture is really in New Orleans, which is, you know, 50 minutes west of my town, um, or the yacht club or the local, you know, restaurant, uh, coffee shop, you know, it's that kind of thing, but... um, Probably small church. town, knew everybody, kind of a thing. Small town, ta- uh, yeah, four thousand people. Oh it's yeah, small. No, it's really small. I grew up in like a town of fourteen thousand, so just mm-hmm. west of Chicago. Four is that's yeah, that's you know everybody. Because yeah. I feel like I knew everybody in fourteen. So yeah, and I don't know everybody anymore, but, but um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a town where people know everybody, and uh, I just what I do really like is. Um, Coming from a town where, yes, you do know, there's that chance to be known by the person serving your coffee or walking down the street and, yeah, the sense of community. And I I want my sons to have that. And we live in an area that I would say— is the closest you can get to that in Los Angeles. And that's why we moved there, because I wanted a small town feel. If we're going to be here, that is what I want. And so we, we did, when we go in to have, to get a little morning nibble on our stroll with the babies, the, the guy knows what they both want and hand it to them. And, and that, I like that. I, I like it. that too. I actually am the same kind of person. Well, I mean, I I feel like I live in a community where I, yeah, and I also like, I like having a haunt. You know, uh-huh. like I'll go to the same like the same coffee shop, 
Yeah. To get the same thing and the same, you know, like know the people at the copy shop, like all the different. You I'm want sorry, copy or coffee? Copy and coffee. Okay. Both of those things. <laughs> copy and coffee. Just a classic copy coffee That's situation. my favorite coffee shop. <laughs> uh, in Texas, what kind of town there? Uh, it was, uh, it's outside of Houston. And um, it's really interesting because when I lived there, it was, you know, one road going that direction, one going the other, one lane in that direction, one the other. And pastures and just very little development. I, th- there's there's uh, freeways. Oh, wow. And, and the one way this way, one way that way has turned into, I think it's three or four lanes each direction. Because Houston's having this huge... Boom. I think Houston is about to overtake my hometown as the third largest Chicago, city. right? Chicago. You might have yeah. heard of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. As the third largest. I actually really like Houston. Uh-huh. I like performing there. I think people are cool. Yeah. Uh, there's there's pockets of it that are great. That are the like, heights. Yeah. Have you been in the heights? To the uh, heights? It's, it's, where was I? I don't know. Sh- I'm sure you have. That's, yeah. that's, 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 you probably went and had a gay beer someplace. Some kind of gay beer yeah. over there? But, um, yeah, I, I made a lot of... I'm still my closest group of friends are my childhood friends from from little people time and we've all stuck together and moved out here and they live here in mm-hmm. LA. Yeah. We've, oh wow. Yeah. Those are my um, That's amazing. I'll tell you what. I'm a lucky person. I I I yeah, it's something special and um even my my friend Beth, who I've known our our, our whole life, um, she, it was her birthday this last weekend, and and for her birthday she took my sons to the Gentle Barn. Are you familiar yeah. with the Gentle Barn? Yeah, and it's just an insight into just that specialness. It was. I was sitting there saying, "Wow, our birthdays have really changed." <laughs> as we were all sitting there and. You know, Max and Finn were trying to like drink out of a can for the first time and just pouring it down their shirt. And but to have that history with people, how many people is it? Um, well, there's a a group of us that it, it's grown in ways where people have married or you yeah. Know, um, but I would say there's uh, it's. <sighs> seven of us. That's really unusual. It's really unusual. And um, anyway, it's it's nice. And but I don't know what I was saying. But I do. I it's that that's a you've a, like imported that you imported yeah. the small town. Yeah, directly to here. Yeah. yeah. Did you move out first and then tell people about it? Or just like just Beth random times different people came out? You know, what, Beth, uh, Moved out here to be a producer, and I had no direction whatsoever. I had failed in high school and dropped out, and I just kind of, when Beth went to college, I went with her and um, just hung out, slept on her couch, and lived with Beth while she was getting an education. Then she went to graduate school, and then we went off to graduate school. And What were you doing with your days? Working at just, I'd work at a pizza place or childcare or, um, mm-hmm. you know, just yeah. jobs. 
Classic stand-up comic odd jobs. Sure. Yep. Very odd. Yes. Um, and then, um, and then you know, Beth graduated, and then off to L.A. We went, and I had no interest in moving to L.A. And but I went just to follow her dream, and uh, and then I got into town, and I saw all the options to do stand-up, which I had always been obsessed with, and so uh, she and I went to a show every night for a couple of weeks and and I was like, God, I feel like I could do this. Where's the first place you went up? It's called Little Frida's Coffee Shop and it was um, on Santa Monica Boulevard and it was an all-female lineup in a quote-unquote lesbian coffee shop, but I mean, that just seems like not a realistic title. <laughs> But um, uh, that's what people called it. Uh, anyway, do you remember waiting for that for that spot? Do you remember like waiting to get on stage that first time? I do, I do. I was very focused on trying to remember what I was going to say, and then it, it turned out it wasn't an open mic. It was a booked show, which I didn't really know. I I just yeah. It was the night that I was like, I'm going to get on stage two weeks after we moved to LA. And that fell on that night. And um, so I asked the host if I could get on stage for a few minutes. And I didn't – it seems odd, but I didn't account for the laughter. And so when I got laughs, I I was so stunned because in my head I was just like, I have to remember this. I have to get through uh, this material. And, and man, I was just like, God – I'm really good at this. I'm I'm all set. This is I'm a natural. And then I signed up for a comedy competition the following night in Hermosa Beach or something. And the winner got hundred bucks. And I'm like, well, where am I going to be spending this money? And um, I bombed so terribly, so terribly. Yeah, I mean that that to me. I actually feel like the first time going well thing mm-hmm. is uh, – I mean, that was sort of my experience too. Mm-hmm. But part of it is because you're scaling it against literally a void. Yeah. It's literally like before yeah. this, I never did mm-hmm. this. And mm-hmm. then this time, mm-hmm. I I got I a laugh this. or three yeah. laughs. Mm-hmm. So I, I crushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do yeah. think – and then the second time yeah. bombing, that makes perfect because then you come in with that confidence – yeah. I no, I I I think that's exactly right. Even think you could kind of do that by years where it's like first year doing fine, second year terrible. You know uh-huh. like it's just like it's yeah. Or by like, you know. Yeah, it's an interesting um roller coaster that you really got to be you know, if somebody was like here buckle up for the next two decades. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, a roller coaster sounds. Uh, actually, I can't even pretend. I was about to start lying and um, and act like it's been so miserable or whatever. And <sighs> there's certainly been hard times, but I would say in general, I've enjoyed the ride yeah. for sure. And so, uh, but I also think I enjoyed it so much that I probably couldn't see that. I was having a hard time or a bad time or um, You mean as a human being? Like an off stage human being, or do you mean on stage? That you couldn't see you were having a hard time or a bad time? Uh 
I just mean as a comedian, I probably didn't know I this was a terrible gig or um, sure. <laughs> this isn't anybody's dream that I'm living right now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, well, I think if you could see any of that, right, nobody would ever. You wouldn't get on the you would not. You would not get on stage. We well, wouldn't get on stage the next night, Mm-mm. you know? And also, if bombing felt like, for me, it feels that. It's like the moment right after when you walk off stage, you're just mm-hmm. like, well, that was harrowing. Mm-hmm. It takes about 30 seconds for me to forget that pain and instead replace it with like, well, I can't w- wait to improve upon this feeling mm-hmm. by going back on stage and doing a great job. See, I I had a a show recently where I really could not scrub it off of me for a while, and it – was a show where actually I've had two recently. I'm I'm neck deep in who knows what my material is. It's a circus that's going on. That is the only thing I can say is it is an utter circus. And so I've had a few rough nights. Mm-hmm. However, I have the very unfortunate but fortunate padding where people think they're satisfied with the show, where they <laughs> they think it was a good show. And I don't want to tell them it was not. I feel like there's some people that can tell that was not a good show. Do you know those kind of shows where you're you're like Well, so is that like is part of it just like somebody's stoked to see you? Like at this point like you have a name and uh, maybe like I a don't thing know. going on where where they're just like we got in. We it was Tig. It really was Tig. Tig came out. That was Tig. Tig spoke out of Tig's mouth. Yep. And boy, did we get to see that. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't know what it is, but <laughs> I got the vibe. People were happy with what had happened. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> just like, what, have I lost it? Am I? Do I need to be getting on stage every night? Uh, is that more important than being home with the little babes? Um, what What is going on here? And it, I'm certainly not putting in the time and the effort, and I'm going on a wing and a prayer. And sometimes I would say it works like 80% of the time. I, I, I can make, get my way through. You know, if somebody was like, here, you have no material, get on stage for an hour, I'd be like, this can be something, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to get through it, you know? But and I'm not saying I'm going to get through it. Like it's going to be the best thing in the world. But it's been interesting to not have anything that I'm really relying on too much these days. And it's felt very terrible. Yeah. But I don't feel motivated enough. To go every night. I feel like you're just going to catch up with yourself. That's what's going to happen. That's what I think is like you're just going to have the experience and the materials going to change in a natural evolution. You've done stand-up enough. You're going to catch up with your – like you know the muscle memory. It's like you just haven't like shifted into the next – I'm saying this because I am sort of going through the same thing and that's what I'm telling myself uh-huh. to allow myself to feel okay. But I think it's okay. Yeah. That, I mean you and I were talking before uh, before we were talking uh, in a microphones about that 
and everybody listening, would know, I've just like been going through some tough stuff in my personal life and um, then having to go on stage, mm-hmm. but not really wanting to talk about that yet or like have words to say about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just been talking about other things, mm-hmm. but from the position – the, from the position of being sad, which for me is like a really uncomfortable place on stage. I like I'm not usually sad on stage. Plus, I have the most colorful shirts mm-hmm. that it it literally looks like I look like you I've lost my today. mind. Today it's black shirt, which yeah. is how I feel. But usually it's like a floral. What's on it? I don't have my glasses. Tiny on. zebras. Oh, that's great. Yeah, beautiful zebra shirt. Or I think in Australia they say zebra. Yeah, right? tiny zebras. Yep. Yeah. Depending on where you are. Um, but I've been trying to just tell myself like uh, that the you're going to catch up to the material. Like mm-hmm. just being on stage and not knowing what you're doing. This is – this feeling of being this disconnected from what I'm doing on stage is is maybe the most extreme I've ever felt it. And mm-hmm. uh, But I know it's locked in, in the past, mm-hmm. you know, when I felt like things were working or I didn't know what was happening. Yeah, the, the part of me that – where there's a fire under me is I, I go, oh, you know, people have gotten babysitters and they paid for these tickets and I'm up here prancing around like yeah, it's a circus. of course. And so I 1 million percent consider that every time. There's no part of me dialing it in. Yeah. I'm Even if I haven't put in the time, when I am on stage, I am – I'm I'm on my toes, and um, but I'm I'm just trying to find something where I'm okay with allowing stand up to not be my 100% right now, and um, to just enjoy because I enjoy putting a circus together for everyone and I hope it comes together in the end and a lot of times it does but um, a few times the circus needed to leave town (laughs) (laughs) couldn't get those elephants in time yeah this week's episode of Query is brought to you by True Body Bra the True Body Bra is available at trueandco.com Over half a million people have bought it and swear by it. You won't believe how good it looks and how good it feels. They've got super soft fabric that's very smooth in all the right places, has no wires, is very comfy. And unlike other wire-free bras, True Body Bra is made with proprietary fabric that still gives you the support you need. took over six years of collecting data from seven million people to make this game-changing bra. So it's no surprise that True & Co. has sold over half a million of the original True Body Bras. Friends... The Today Show calls it game-changing. Good Housekeeping says it's the ultimate lounge bra. And don't you love to lounge? True body bra. I've got a few of them. They're very, very comfy. Friends, try the original True Body Bra from True & Co. today with free and easy returns. You save 15% when you go to trueandco.com slash query and enter the code query. That's T-R-U-E-A-N-D dco.com slash query enter code query for 15% off this week's episode of query is sponsored by pact pact is an organic cotton clothing company on a mission to make sure everyone can be comfortable in their own skin 
literally and figuratively. Packed Apparel uses 100% organic cotton and partners with fair trade certified factories because they believe the comfort of the people who make your clothes is just as important as the comfort of the people who wear them. They've got super soft clothes and even more comforting, the price. Despite being organic, packed clothes are super affordable. Tees are $15, leggings are $30, and undies are only $9. I got a sweatshirt from Packed Apparel. It's super duper soft. I went to the men's section, found a sweatshirt in there that I super love. So head over there if you're maybe somebody who is my same gender. If you want to keep your comfort close and your true self closer, shop at wearpacked.com. That's W-E-A-R-P-A-C-T dot com. Enter the code query at checkout for 25% off your first order. I am nailing this ad. Wearpacked.com. Enter code query for 25% off. Do you feel like the focus is split between this and other projects, or is it you trying to figure out how to have kids still? I mean, your kids are really pretty young and... Yeah. And it's all real new. So I just would imagine maybe that's a factor or. I am, it's many things. I mean, I, yes, I have a lot of projects going on. Um, I'm also flat out exhausted. Um, my boys are transitioning from cribs to big boy beds. And, um, well, they share a room, and um, when one gets up or has a bad dream, sometimes they go and wake up the other one. Whereas before, if they woke up in the middle of the night in their cribs, they were contained, and then they just go back to sleep. Now it's everyone's loose in the house. And um, so a lot of times my days will start, and I mean this, at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. And I'm up for the day. Yes. Having gone to bed at what time? Well, I try to go to bed. I mean, it's really embarrassing. Um, but you can be honest with me. Let me lay that <laughs> lay that time on me. Okay, we put them to bed at six thirty. Uh huh. We immediately go in and brush our teeth. Yep. And wash our face. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Our our combined face at <laughs> six thirty. I would say Stephanie and I are ready for bed by seven every night, and then we will write. Uh, we will catch up on emails. Um, there's so much that you cannot, I can't do, I don't do until it's the end of my day, you know? And the end of my day is around 7 o'clock. And my dream is that I am in bed by 8.30 every night. And that is why it's hard for me to do stand-up so Sure, yeah, right what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's I get it. It's a lot. And but there is nothing and I mean it so genuinely, there's nothing I'd rather be doing. And it's very hard for me to go yeah, I'd rather go hang out at whatever club and just uh work on some jokes. I this is the world that I'm enjoying. It 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 brings me happiness and fulfillment. And so getting up, it's not, it's not, I'm not like, oh, oh, it's 3.30. Let's get up. Let's get going. But I, um, I know what it took 
to get the life that I have right now. I know what it took to get these boys into my world. And and it goes again to that I don't know if it's unhealthy, but that there if there's anything that would make me feel guilt or selfishness or these are little people that don't have any information. They just know they can get out of their bed. They know they can go wake their brother up and they are going to come into our room playing tambourine at three in the morning, you know? And the, 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 the good positive of that is that I do feel like because I'm an older parent, inching up on 50, I have grandparent vibe for the most part where it's like, it's okay. You know, I feel like that's what I really can bring to their life is. So is the selfishness like the thing that you're, th- you're zeroing in a mm-hmm. selfish? Is it um, enjoying the life that you have? Like, is that what feels selfish to you? No. Tell no. me what it is. If I go um, and I, and I think, uh I got to focus on my career. I got to make sure I oh, have yeah. this new material. I have yeah. to I have to really um make sure my face is out there. I got to keep whatever that is. I would I don't know what would happen to me if I was making an empty decision like that and then something happened mm-hmm. in my life. I would I want if I genuinely have something I want to say and I want to go work on something, I then I there's no guilt where I'm like, oh, I feel I feel good about this. Stephanie and I have gone to work at our office today. We are not in the house. We feel we we have to do this. We feel inspired or we are on a deadline, which that is not guilt. Right. That is these are that's and it's a project I'm I'm excited about. If I am doing anything that feels empty, and um, again, I'm and I'm I'm open to somebody being like, "You're a scared person," um, and maybe I am, but I also I can feel it so I can touch it. What I would feel like if anything happened, and I was doing something that felt selfish. I don't think that, that sounds selfish. scared. I really don't think that sounds scared. I think it sounds like. Um, it sounds like a really normative reaction. I, I now I understand what you're saying, which is also that like there's a, you know, there's an atmosphere, um, obviously like in this city, but just everywhere in this country in our culture that we have to keep trying. We get to we get to a place. It's like literally like bootstraps forever. Like keep pulling yourself up. Like never be satisfied. Never spend the night at home. Never go to bed at. Never brush your teeth. Never brush your teeth at six thirty. Right. You know, so I so there is a lot of pressure for us to keep, um, yeah, getting our faces out there or whatever that is, and that's that's true to this industry. That's also like for any listener that like literally, I think everybody should be able to relate to this, which is just the idea of choosing um, to invest in family or to invest in what you need personally mm-hmm. over what might be considered um, the thing that's going to get you to the next unnamed blah, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I think that sounds not like fear. I think that sounds like trying to navigate making the decisions you want in a matrix of of things that 
within a system that's telling you not to do that. It's Don't very, focus on what yeah. you want. It's a very confusing yeah, matrix. And, and and you're saying you want this like small town life and you want this feeling of being connected with your family and like Yeah, I just want to I want to feel like the decisions I'm making, there's something behind it. If anything were to happen to me or somebody I love when I'm gone or away from the house or uh, that it's that it's not an empty um, endeavor. That makes perfect sense. And Thank also, you. like, I, I mean, I think you're actually talking, you're kind of speaking to um, the impossibility that's, like, sold to us. You know, it's like you are supposed to want – uh, this like small town life where you know all of your neighbor, where you know all of your neighbors, and they all know your coffee order. Mm-hmm. But then you're also supposed to want to be like ever richer, ever more successful. How those things actually don't go together. You you actually can't. You're a human being with a finite amount of time in your day. So Indeed. yeah, can't can't do both those. Even can't. when you start your day at three in the morning, it's still finite. It's still like oh my god. I mean, sometimes yeah. I have to still go do a show. And then I also am embarrassed when I go do a show, when I am always the person that's like, can I please go up first? And can I run out the door? Right. I've been up since three in the morning. I want to ask you about something that you just said, which is uh, you said you know what you put into getting this life. Um, anything that you wanted to talk about in that, I guess I'm curious as to what, what you know you put into getting this life. Because you were like, I know what I put in to get what I have at home and, mm-hmm. you know, these boys. And, like, what do you – when you look back and reflect on what you put in, what is that? I mean, in a very basic general sense, a lot of time, a lot of money, <laughs> um, a lot of uh, heartache. And um, I've waited a very long time to have what I have, and I didn't think I would have it. Not in the way that it has unfolded. I thought I would be single with a baby, a child, and that would be my little partner. And um, I think a lot of people do this, but you you have it in your mind, okay, when I'm 30 or 35 or 40, I'm going to have a kid, or I'm going to freeze my eggs, and then when my career gets here, I have this amount of money in the bank, or I can buy a house, or all that kind of stuff. And then it's like, okay, this is, this is when, this is how things are mapped out and this is how it's, this is how it's going to go. And as you mentioned, yes, I got sick and my whole life was yanked in a four month period of time while I was about to touch my little um, idea of, my life. I was just about to touch it. I had the money in the bank and I had my career up and going and I had everything squared away with how I was going to get these um, people to be my children or this person. And then I was, it was yanked. And I was like, oh, okay, I can't have children and my mother's dead and I'm very ill and all right, okay. And then... um to, I mean, it was laser focus, went against my doctor's wishes. To this day, don't know the damage I've done to myself. And that goes back to selfish. Uh, 
you know, I, my, what feeds my cancer is what would potentially help me have a child. I, I did this IVF treatment. It wasn't successful, so I didn't even get the child out of that. And now I, uh, what did that do to me? I don't know. What's the long-term effect? We don't know. Hopefully nothing, you know, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I went through that and then exhausted that um, and um, met, not met, I had already met Stephanie, but ran into her again and and um, I was very lucky that she, even though there is the 15-year difference, she didn't see herself having kids for maybe another five years. But when we got together, she was like, you know what, let's do it. And I had my motivations of health issues and my age and all of that. I'm, just, and I'm ready. I was ready. And I was very lucky that she was like, Let's move forward. So we did. And it is. It's a lot of, and there's, you know, there's miscarriages. There's um, a lot of the private aches and pains that you go through. And um, there's also going to adoption agencies and filling out applications. And um, and I turned to Stephanie and I was like, well, I, I look terrible on paper. And she was like, what do you mean? And I said, I'm, I'm not religious. I don't have a high school diploma. I'm gay. I um, have not hit my five-year mark. I'm not technically in remission. Um, I'm not a candidate that people would die to give their baby to. You know, when people say, why aren't you adopting? Why don't you adopt? It's like, why don't you shut your mouth? I would love to. I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a, situation, you know, the, all of the, not that I can't get a child, but that's, it's already a hard road when you are a gay person to adopt. It's a hard road in that the percentage, it's a longer wait period. And then when you add on to it that you have um, health issues and your religious uh, um, or lack of religious beliefs, it they do decide, like, this is where I want my child to go, or this is, they pick the parents. And um, anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, I'm, I think that uh, that why don't you just mm -hmm. for kids is something that gay people hear a lot, like, and especially lesbians, mm -hmm. uh, on, like, a bunch of different, you know, like, fill in the blank at the end. Like, why don't you just go to. Why don't you just go find some sperm, or why don't you just yeah. adopt, or, or like as if any of as if any of those options would be like inherently yeah easy, right. you know? And I yeah. think that they're all really complicated, yeah. and I that doesn't mean that they're not doable, but I I do think that we're kind of we kind of talk about it as mm -hmm. a culture as if it's just like a box that you're checking to yeah. decide which way you're yeah. going to do it, uh -huh. and then it will, and then whatever you decide will happen quickly and in a way you can control, you know, like... <laughs> or successfully. Yeah, successfully, I mean, yeah. And it's expensive to adopt. It's expensive to adopt. It's you really can, expensive, You yeah. can do foster, foster adopt. You can foster um, with the intention to adopt, which is not um, expensive. Right. Um, but it's also a lot of heartbreak and heartache 
Um, actually, the movie that I'm in with Octavia Spencer that's coming out in November, it's called Instant Family. And, you know, I was excited to work with her just in that, wow, we're going to be social workers together. But it's the writer-director, Sean Anders, it's his story of going to adopt a child and coming home with three kids. And um, and I was kind of in my head, like, that's cool to work with Octavia. <laughs> Octavia Spencer, huh? And then it hit me, and I sat down and wrote Sean, and I was like, I can't believe that I'm just now really understanding how lucky I am to be a part of this movie. This is going to change so many people's lives. Of course, I could be wrong, and only one person will go see the movie. I doubt it. But it's it's exciting. I'm very excited for the world of adoption. And um, I think it gives a nice mix of comedy and, and drama. There's... It feels as real and uh, obviously not a documentary, um, but this is his story, and it's it's really something. So I'm excited for that to, to come out. I'm glad you got to be a part of that. That, feel, that feels healing. That feels like a helpful thing. I think it's going to do some stuff for, for people. Really walks you through the process Yeah. to the best like a major Mark Wahlberg Rose Byrne Octavia Spencer movie could do in a comedic way but I bet there's gonna be some tears when people watch it <laughs> I think there's gonna be some tears I had some tears on set where I was like oh, are you kidding me come on <laughs> let's wrap up this scene come on out you go how are we on the timer we're good I kind of did that. Well, before I was going to do stand-up full-time, that was the last thing I did. That was the last, like, day job I did. I was in social work school. I was getting my really? master's in social work. Yeah, and I worked at a school – I worked at a home for uh, hard to play, kids who were hard to place in the foster care system. say hard to please kids? Hard to please kids. <laughs> I don't want this yeah. teddy bear. <laughs> no, kids who were hard to place. And uh, my dad's adopted, so it was also something where, you know, I, like, was – he wasn't – he wasn't uh, – he was like adopted at a very, like as a as a teeny baby, so not like necessarily like a hard to place. That usually means older child. Yeah. Um, oh, I know the lingo. Yeah. Uh, but it was certainly interesting seeing that process. Having you know, I'm literally like a product of that process. Like mm-hmm. if my dad, you know, hadn't been placed where he was, then you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be this person with this last name and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's definitely. I can't wait to watch that movie. See more about what this person's story is. Yeah, I. It, it's interesting because I also, I did an episode of the PBS show, um, what is it about your roots? I'm forgetting the name. Oh, I don't know. Um, anyway, they look up your entire... Um, oh, sure, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and they do such thorough research and everything unfolds right there. And I was, I was really embarrassed by how uninterested or disinterested what what's the appropriate word yeah maybe disinterested disinterested in my because uh, i'd always be like oh my god i've never met these people what am i <laughs> where are we going to trace this back to uncle monkey you know it's like how far back are we going to go and um but really having it laid out in front of me and to really take in that 
it's on all of it's the backs of all of these people, like their lives, their experiences, working on the railroad and living in a what what these people this all led to me you know what i mean i and and my brother and my mother like i just my mind was blown and i I'm, i was just ashamed that i took no interest and to find out that my grandfather was put up for adoption when he was like somewhere between 7 and 9 and then was taken back by his mother like two or three years later. Oh, wow. It stopped me in my tracks. And I I couldn't talk. I, I was like, <sighs> I, I was, it was, <sighs> I think I would have felt that anyway, but then having children and I could see my son Finn in my grandfather's face all of a sudden. And I, I just was like, I can't, I, I cannot, I cannot speak right now. <laughs> I feel like, man, you have been through a world of experiences, my friend. What do you mean? I, I mean, I, mean I, like, I know I have, but what? Yeah, no, I just mean like, I know I know a little bit about this just from like seeing you talk about it on stage or whatever. It's not like we're like close enough buddies that I talk to you about this experience of having kids. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, hearing just in like the last five minutes the fullness of that and then you connecting that to your past. That's – I mean it's just – that's a lot of stuff. That's but, a lot of stuff. I mean don't you imagine you probably have that too? If somebody unfolded your entire life and – on yeah. both sides of the family. That's what's so incredible is everybody has an extraordinary life. And everybody, every single person has an extraordinary life. I feel confident. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would be curious. And then combined with somebody else's, and that led to this. And and, 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 and. I, it, it's really... It, like I said, it's it's embarrassing that I my I have a cousin in Mississippi that he, the email chains, but he sends links to information about our family and photo clippings from newspapers, and I've always been like, oh my gosh, again, are we? <laughs> I don't know, Uncle Monkey, you know, and um and now I I I do I have an interest and had there's so much I didn't know. And to just kind of be like, I, I don't know these people. I never met that and hang out with them. I don't know who. Yeah, it's I'm I'm not proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, on a different podcast, we can talk some other full hour. Because uh-huh. uh, I have had like a little bit of that experience, just like with my dad trying to figure out, uh, you know, his actual birth family. And then also, like, part of this also makes me think about how we're white people. You know, there's so many different things that mm-hmm. we could go from here. It is one hour and two minutes. Oh, my So gosh. it's actually the moment where I'm supposed to ask you about a queero of oh. yours. And then we, we go, like, be people together and we can talk more about other things. But um, it's been – first of all, I know you're so – I know I said this before. I know you've got a lot going on right now. I really appreciate you coming in today. Thank you for doing that. Happy to be here. And uh, before I send you back out – 
uh, Tig, would you like to shout out a queero, which is somebody that made you feel comfortable in the person that you are today? It could also be a place or like a piece of art or something. Um, you know what? I would say well, I don't. I don't know how out this person is. Oh, you don't have to name them. You could just I know. describe. Yeah, I know. Um, it was somebody that was um, a vice principal in my life, and um, and she really took an interest in me, and I think was on to she was on to what was going on there. And um, and really it was somebody – it kind of is that uh, ring of keys moment, I guess, where you go, oh, yeah, what, hmm, yeah, me, you, what – something feels familiar. And, and, um, and it took me a while to figure out what was going on because I didn't know – um, I hadn't figured things out fully about myself and, and, um, and I would say that the way that relationship unfolded was just so helpful. And she did finally come out to me and, and incorporate me into her life. And, and I talked to her maybe even five years ago and, um, I had a lot of turmoil growing up as people do, but I, I really was lost and confused and, and, um, and she was really someone that knocked me onto the, a track. And it was the first of many tracks that led me to where I am now. But I would say she is, um, so massive so so completely massive where i i you know you're out in spring texas driving past a pasture full of rundown trucks and um just nothing wrong with a rundown truck and a pasture uh-uh. no i love them but i i don't know she in fact has rundown trucks in her pasture um, but I just, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful for crossing paths with her. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, gay vice principal that, you know, has run down trucks and pigs and horses and, and, uh, you don't think you're going to find that guidance or I, I just thought I'd be adrift and and unsure of myself, and and then I just had someone go, "Hey, look over here," you know. <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. How about that?" Well, I mean, she didn't tell me that I was gay or to be gay. She just uh, embraced me and heard me out, and conversations and life led yeah. me to the right track that matters so much mm-hmm. yeah I, tr- I well shout out to that person yeah that's amazing I hope she's still alive me too yeah me too yeah. Tig thanks for being here Cameron thanks for having me this is very unrelated yeah but I want to say 
You have very nice hands. What? Yeah. Thank you so much. Do you know what's so weird? I was thinking that you have nice hands. Literally while you were talking. Because you were gesturing and I like saw your ring and stuff and I I thought that to myself. Yeah, that's so funny. You know who I would have to say you're in neck and neck competition with Paul F. Tompkins. You know he has nice hands. Paul has great hands. I do. Beautiful I do also, I appreciate this. My hands are something I really love about myself. So you've zeroed in on like my number one fave thing. That's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm glad you like my hands. I yeah. feel like my hands look like my mother's hands, so oh, it yeah. makes me feel very much in touch uh-huh. with my uh-huh. mother. Um, but, uh, yeah, you have— My I, hands look like my mother's hands, too. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I would say you and Paul F. Tompkins, and there he is, his little uh, bean well, face on the wall. Yep. Isn't that him? That's him. Okay. There he is right there. Yeah. Bean um, face of Paul F. Tompkins yeah. right there. Lovely hands, the two of you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having nice hands. Over half a million people swear by the original True Body Bra by TrueAndCo.com. The True Body Bra looks amazing when you put it on with super soft fabric that smooths you out in all the right places and gives you the support you need. The best part has no wires. It's super comfy for all day wear. Try the original True Body Bra from True & Co. today with free and easy returns. And you can save 15% when you go to trueandco.com slash query and enter the code query. That's T-R-U-E-A-N-D-C-O dot com slash query. Bye. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Eight nights. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, Yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. (laughs) Jesus. I mean, (laughs) Jazos. Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.